you want your heart to be blessed, you ought to come by either on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, or a Thursday night and see all the kids that are, that are here in our wrestling program on Mondays from 5 to 6. We have the little guys, and then from 6 to 7.30, we have the older kids, the older boys that are learning how to wrestle, but more importantly, how to, how to implement the things that they learn in wrestling in, in being a, 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 a profitable human being, actually, and, and knowing Christ as your Savior and living for Him. And, and uh, it, it is encouraging. And so you ought to come by if you want to. I challenge you to come by at about, oh, come by around 5.30 and then stay until 6.30 and you'll be able to watch both groups of those boys come through and wrestle and, uh, you know, what, 20-some 20, 20 kids in the little guys and 40-some boys are in the, in the older ones. And uh, appreciate all of our coaches willing to invest their time in that. And then come by on a Tuesday night from 6 to 7.30 <coughs> and uh, uh, be involved a little bit with the QAM, the Kids with a Mission. And there, there's always places we could use you and... and uh, if you want to be, if you want to be used, there's always a place to, to you can find to, to be used. And we had 104 kids here last week, and so, and uh, just reaching them with the gospel and, and teaching them how to live in a way that will be honoring and pleasing. And you know what I'd like to see, and I know God would want to see this too. In in our society today, we have. So many broken homes, and, and I don't know what the statistics are anymore of broken homes and, and marriages that have broken, but you know what I want to see? I, I want to see that in our church family where God saves many of those marriages and saves those families, and, and, and let us be a, a group of people that help those statistics to go higher in a positive way. And, and one of the ways that we can do that is by giving our kids a head start. And you think about, I can think about some of the regrets that I have. And, and most of my regrets in my life came in a two-year, two-and-a-half-year period, my junior and senior year of high school and my first semester, my freshman year of college. Most of the regrets that I have today came in that time period. And I, I just... I just want us to, as parents, to give our children every, every opportunity to, to know Christ as our Savior and to live for Him. And there is nothing, there is nothing more important and there's nothing better than serving the Lord with your life. And oh, I, I just wish I would have had some of that encouragement earlier in, in years. I grew up in a small church, no youth group, nothing like that, you know, VBS, but Sunday school, but that was pretty much it. And, and uh, I, I just praise the Lord for all of the volunteers that help with that and, and, and uh, are reaching our next generation and give them a head start and watch them have a, uh, you know, a productive life and have a wonderful marriage and, and to be able to, to withstand the, the, the onslaughts of, of the world and Satan, our flesh, and, and just be stronger. And uh, if I want anything for my kids and for the next generation is that they, they can be stronger in their walk when they're a teenager than even that I am today. And so let's, let's train them up and, and help them to 
be what God wants them to be. And, and so I just appreciate our children's ministries. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it's really, we're, we're having growth issues already. You know, and praise the Lord. We have seating in here for everybody, but we don't have the seating up there anymore. So now we're, we're, we're you know, they're, they're packing out up there in that room. And I, and I praise the Lord for that. But uh, we, we just need to uh, always remember it is to bring honor and glory to God. But let's reach that next generation and, and uh, praise the Lord for everybody that helps with that. And so we're, we're dealing with thankfulness this month. <clears throat> and um, first of all, I'm thankful for our vets. I already said that. I'm thankful for a country where we can serve the Lord freely, and, and many are trying to take that away, but uh, so far we still have that freedom, and I thank God for that. And, you know, there, there's been times where, foolishly, I've said things where I've looked at you and I said it, and, and I've actually seen you turn over to your spouse and say, can he say that? <clears throat> well, I can say it. I mean, you might have to pay the price later for it, but I can say it, and, and I thank God that we can. Thank God that we can say foolish things. I, I thank God that we can still, you know, have arguments with one another. I, I'm, I'm glad that, that, you know, you have the right to, to say something that offends me. It's okay. I'll get over it, and, and I can say things that offend you, and, and uh, it's okay. We can get over that. We, we don't need this, this policing everything that we do and say. This is America, and we need to, to, to remember the rights that we have. And, and there, have been, there, there has been much blood shed so that we have that right. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for our country. And I thank God for our church family. I, I thank God for each and every one of you. And they're here today and and there are many that aren't here today, and I know, and I, and I can point it out, and I can start naming them off because you're missed today, and, and, and I, I just thank God for our church family and, and the community that we live in, and, and all of those things are, are things that we ought to be thankful for, and I, I uh, just want you guys to be thankful also. I, I, want, to, I want us to walk out of here today and, and just have a heart of thankfulness for what he's doing in our lives and in the good things that, that's taken place and, and his love and his mercy, even when we're, we're disobedient. And, and so as we were looking at this idea of thankfulness, we have a four-point message that all I'm doing is preaching one point each Sunday. Last week, we saw that in, in having this thankfulness that it's an action of the heart. Well, today I want us to give thought to understanding that it's a purpose direction of the heart. We, we choose to be thankful. And as we choose to be thankful, then God does certain things in our life and, and helps us in, in certain aspects. And, and as I was giving thought to this direction, what are, what are some of these areas that that we need to be thankful in. There, I, I was reading a book, and, and, and uh, this was a statement that was made. The mind is a citadel of a man's life, and from this powerful engine, our wills determine where we are driven. Now, you think about our, our mind is this engine, and it's a powerful engine that determines where we are driven. 
our mind. Now, we're, we're talking about the heart also, but our mind will affect our heart. Our heart is who we are, way down deep in, in the very inside of who we are, what, what makes us tick, and, 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 and as a child of God, and, 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 a, and our heart is that, but, but our mind feeds that heart, and our mind is somewhat of a filter, kind of like our eyes. Are, our eyes, what we see is going to affect our mind, which affects our heart, and, and so our mind is a very powerful engine that we need to make sure that we are controlling in a way that that God is pleased with us. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and, and look, for everybody here, if, if you have something in your heart or, or something that consumes your mind that, that you know that isn't right and, and it leads you to some uh, habitual actions that you know are not right, well, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 are for you and they're for me and, and they're to help us with with dealing with the 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 addictual behaviors that we have in our in our in our lives and much of it comes from our mind and he tells us he says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they're, they're not fleshly they're, they're not like this right here this is the this is the flesh warfare that we have to keep our country free and and to we understand that and and know that and and, and this is a side note, but if, if anybody would have a live round for this bazooka, see me after the service. <laughs> it just came to my mind, you know? I, <clears throat> some guys were worried that maybe our bullets would go, th- our shells would go through the dirt pile. I, I don't think our shells would, but I think we might have to take that as a challenge to see if a bazooka might blow through the dirt. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? And Anyway, sorry, my mind squirreled. We just chased it, all right? <laughs> For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Yes, there is a physical warfare that we deal with. And, and, and we have the freedoms that we have today by many that have shed their blood for that. <clears throat> but here, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the battle for our mind that, that is going on every day. And, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Look, we all have strongholds in our life. And, and, and here he's showing us that, that the weapons of our warfare that, that are going to pull down these strongholds are, are something that is spiritual. And what is it? But casting down imaginations and every, th- every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Oh, we, we need to understand and, and realize the battle that's going on. And, and Satan knows. Satan, Satan doesn't have to go after us personally, which he does at times. There, there are times where he just throws stuff out there and, and he's going to try to nail whoever it is that will look at it or, or follow it because he knows human nature. He's been around for thousands of years and, and he knows what's going on in hearts and minds of people. And so he throws those things out there for those that are, that are dealing with these imaginations and, and these high thoughts that are exalting uh, itself against the knowledge of God. And, and he's throwing those things out there. And here we need to understand that 
our mind needs to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Our mind needs to be thinking on these things which are right and pure and righteous and holy and, and godly and, 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 and what it is that God wants us to have in our, in our lives and, and to control our mind. And so our mind needs to be focused and, and purposed to be thankful. That is one of the things, to be thankful what is it that we ought to be thankful for? Well, we're going to see some passages here that show us the, you, you might give thought to this as a, the, the directions and, and the, 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 the screen that you have in your car these days where these are, the, these are the waypoints that we ought to have in our lives where we can always come back to this and realize that this is where we need to start from and, and we go out from here and use these as waypoints that direct our hearts and and the first one is a we need to direct our attention and direct our hearts and and have this direction and understanding that God has provided us a solution and in this solution he he shows us how we can have a heart of thankfulness how how that he he can lead us and guide us and and give us a, a, a peace in our lives. And turn over to Matthew chapter 26, if you would. Matthew chapter 26. Here, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And, and he's preparing to be uh, crucified. And, and getting ready to go in front of that court that very next morning. And, and here he is having dinner with these men. And, and, and it tells us in Matthew 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so here they are, they're having a dinner, and, and, he's, and he's saying some strange things to these men, and, and, and they're taking of this, and they're, and they're not quite sure of, of, of what he's talking about here, but it does become more evident as uh, after his crucifixion. But, uh, and so we have the illustration of this, this provided solution. Here he is, he's presenting himself. He's showing them that Look, my body is going to be broken upon this cross and, and uh, is going to take the wrath of God upon uh, me and, and, and take all the wrath of the world and all, all the wrath that God wants to place upon the world and, and he's going to take it upon himself and, and die on that cross and he's going to shed his blood and that, that juice represents the very blood that is uh, going to drain from his body as he sheds that blood and knowing that it brings the remission of sins. And, and so he's pointing this out to them. And, and he explained this even further over in John chapter 6. So we have the illustration, but we also have an explanation of this in John 6. And, and it's a hard explanation. He tells us in verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I thank God for the simple statement of the solution that we have for our sin. It's in Jesus. He is the solution. Oh, how we ought to be thankful that He is the solution and that, as He said, He that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. And then He goes on, I am 
that bread of life. You see, he had told his disciples this earlier. He, he had shown this to these other men that, that, that had been following him. And, 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 and here he is, he's telling them, look, I, I am the bread of life. And your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is a different kind of bread that I'm talking about. He's saying this is not like the manna that your fathers ate while they were wandering in the wilderness. This is not a physical bread that I'm talking about. This is an eternal bread, a spiritual bread. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. And so now he's talking about himself and the provision that we have in him and I am the living bread which and, and which came down from heaven if any man eat of this bread he shall live and forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I give for the life of the world the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying how can this man give us his flesh to eat you see they're 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 getting messed up they're here he is he's telling them look he said I'm telling you that that I am the spiritual bread and that when you take a part of me, when you understand and realize that, that He's explaining to us what it means about He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. It's more than knowing it here. He didn't say, He that knoweth me. He that knows that I die, I'm going to die on the cross. He that knows that I'm the Son of God. It's the one that trusts in me. It's the one that believes with all of their heart, their soul, and their mind. The one that has taken a part of me like, like one that takes of the bread and eats of it and, and, it becomes a, and, and the bread becomes a part of who He is. And that's what faith and trust is all about. The one that believeth in Him. And here they are. They're still making this mistake and they're thinking that what is He talking about? How, how is it that I can eat of Him? How is it that, that I can take of Him? And you see, that's where some religions get all messed up. They, they believe that whenever you take of the Lord's Supper, that you take of the communion, that whenever you take of the bread, that, that that's Jesus' body that's being crucified again and again and again and again. And every time you take of that bread that Jesus is dying on the cross for you again, and then whenever you take of the juice that, and the wine that they take of that and they drink of that, and it actually becomes the very blood of Christ all over again. And, and, and here they're, they're making the same mistake that the Pharisees made here in John chapter 6. It has nothing to do with the physical whatsoever. It's all spiritual. And here he's saying that, look, he did not say that, that you need to, to, to do all of these works and you don't need to take of this in, in order to be saved. It's he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And this believe is not a knowledge up here, but it's something that is in your heart that takes place where... Yes, you realize and understand that He died on that cross for you and that by faith you are taking of Him and, and realizing that He's the one that saves you. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Never think, never think that anything that is material here on earth 
will have anything to do with the spiritual and eternal side of your soul. Nothing physical will get you into something that is eternal and is spiritual. Nothing physical will get you there. It's all spiritual. And it's Jesus Christ that we trust in and understand and hear. We know that my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? You know what they just said? They just said what what most of our, our liberals of today say, what you just said offends me. That's just what they said. We are offended by what you just said. We are offended that you say that we need to take of you in order to have eternal life. And, and here you are telling us that we need to eat of you and, and, and eat a part of you in, in order to be saved. And, and Jesus, and, and over and over and over, you guys do not understand what I'm telling you. You're not understanding and realizing. You want to take everything literal to the point where it must be physical and I must do all of these things in order to be saved. And Jesus just made the statement that he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. It is absolutely nothing physical at all other than you by your heart trusting in Jesus as your Savior. You see, this is the provision this is the this is the provided solution that that he has given to us and and they're and they're upset and and there may be some here that are offended by this thought but look I'm telling you that there is nothing that you can do in order to merit your way to heaven the only way you're ever going to get through heaven into heaven is through Jesus Christ and your faith and your faith only in him and what he has done that's it that's it And it tells us in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, he gives testimony of his salvation. And he also gives testimony here that his knowledge was limited because with those 12 disciples that were standing there, there was one, Judas Iscariot, who was not a believer. And Peter included all of them. said, oh, we know that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have, I, have not I chosen you 12? And one of you is a devil. Boy, he's not very politically correct, is he? I mean, he just kind of laid it out there, didn't he? One of you guys is the devil. Spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should portray him being one of the twelve. You see, we can, we can all sit here and be nice and pretty, and we can put on a smile, and we can shake each other's hands, and, and we can be nice to each other as we come in here, but your heart still may be just black with sin. 
And look, I'm not, I'm not here condemning you. The Scripture condemns you. Jesus Christ has condemned you. If you choose not to believe and trust in Him, you will die and be in a devil's hell for eternity. Your choice to make. But you see what He's done? He's provided the solution. He is the bread of life. He is the one that will cleanse your heart. He's the one that will do so not with bleach and not with some cleaner that we have here on earth, but He will cleanse your heart with the very blood of Jesus. And so we see that He has given us the provided solution. But another illustration, you can go to Mark chapter 8, He also gives us a promised sustenance. So we ought to praise Him. We ought to have a thankful heart for the solution to my sin. And I am truly thankful. And and I'm thankful that I can go to Him and confess those things to Him and get those things right. I'm also truly thankful that that He provides for me with the the sustenance that I need. In Mark chapter 8, we see the illustration given in the first nine verses. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus calls His disciples unto Him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have not... Uh, they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for diverse, uh, many diverse of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have you? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break. And gave to his disciples a set before them, and they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. You see, he did this more than once. He fed thousands of people. And here we see that he provided for them with seven loaves and a few fishes. That's amazing, isn't it? To think that he gives us this promise that that he says that, hey, you trust in me and, and you're one of mine. And when you are one of mine, I'll take care of you. You need to trust me. You need to look to me. And so we here we have the illustration, but we have the explanation in Matthew 6. Look what he says over here in Matthew 6 and verse 24. Now, no man can serve two masters. For either he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Do you hear that? God just said that. You cannot serve God and mammon. If you're in love with money, then you're not in love with God. And if you're in love with God, then you're not going to be in love with money. It's just a fact. That's what he says. Black and white. Pretty simple, isn't it? It's easy to understand. We, we, are, we are living in a country and, and we're living in an economy right now that is very wealthy. And, and there are many that are doing very well. And, and I praise the Lord for that. I'm not against wealth. I, I, look, I, hey, if I had the money today, there would be a 2018 Dodge Mega Cab set in a corp that would be sitting in my driveway today. All right? And, and so I, I know and I understand. Okay? So I'm not against the money. All right? So don't say that and don't go out and say, well, preacher just thinks you ought to live like a pauper. No, I didn't say that. And God doesn't say that either. But God does say that 
It, you cannot serve God and serve money. You can't do it. He says it. I believe it. Don't live that way. And then he goes on, Therefore I say unto you, because of this, don't fall in love with those things, but because of this, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What do you mean, God? Well, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on, the clothes that you're wearing, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Look, there is more to you. If, if we are so shallow to think that all we are is the house that we live in and the car that we drive and the clothes that we wear, and, and that is what makes us, we are a very shallow people. He says there is far more than that. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. God knows what we need. And we need to look to Him. And then He tells us the, the verse that is used over and over. And, and such a reminder to all of us, but seek ye first the kingdom of, his, of, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, the food, the raiment, the needs that you have, will be added unto you. Therefore, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Remember in 2008 when we had the stock market crash? Or, and it was a bad one. Do you remember hearing about so many of those that committed suicide because of what they lost? That's a shallowness that God, that, that is, doesn't come from God but it's a lie that Satan has tried to promote that you are by you are who you are based upon your possessions. And that's not at all what God wants us to understand and realize. Oh, how we need to understand that, that He has given us a promised sustenance. And so when we wake up with a thankful heart, God, I thank you. I thank you that you've given me a solution for my sin. God, I thank you that you have provided a promised sustenance that I know that, that I will be okay. David wrote in the psalm that I have not seen the, 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 the child of God begging for bread. I thank God for the promises that he gives us. And thirdly and lastly, I'd like you to turn to Luke 17. And here in this heart of thankfulness, we ought to thank him for what is considered and what is known to be a perfect salvation. Verse 11 in Luke 17, And it came to pass, 
as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. I love that he went through Samaria. Samaria was a place that you might say is south of the tracks. It, it was a place where the good people didn't go. It was a place where most of the Jews would think about Samaria and they would spit on the ground. They didn't care anything about Samaria and the Samaritans and they wanted nothing to do with them at all. And I praise God that that's who Jesus goes after. Praise God that I didn't have anything to offer whatsoever to Him. And He sought me out just like He does you. And so he came to Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Well, there's a reason. They didn't want anything to do with them. They were contagious, and they were ugly to look at, and, and many of them might have even had, had, had some of their digits were starting to fall off, and they were, they, they were the, the scum of the society, and they were outcasts of the society. And so They stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They were given health again. Something you need to look at and understand on this. Those ten lepers were still going to die someday. Now, they were healed from their leprosy, and we praise the Lord for that. But they were still going to die. And then it goes on, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, worshiping God, right? Giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, that one Samaritan that came back and glorified and worshipped God, arise, go thy way, thy baptism, thy good works, and thy charismatic personality has made you whole. (laughs) didn't say that at all. Well, now wait a minute. He says, he looks at this and said unto him, and well, Mr. Samaritan, in your power and the money that you're going to give me, we will allow you to enter into heaven. Wasn't at all. He said, arise, go thy way, thy faith, hath made the whole. You see what we try to do? We as, we as people, it's just human nature. We, we try to compare the way we love one another and, 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 and we try to, to look at God's love and compare it to the love that we show to one another and I'm sorry, but that isn't the same love. Now, we need to be working on it and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to give us the kind of love that God has. But I thank God that there there are times where, I'm sorry, but my love is just fickle. You ever wake up some days and you're just mad at the world? For what reason? 
I do that. I get angry at myself. I wake up and I'm mad. And I'm like, what are you mad for, dork? Really? You know? And, and, and then you go in and you make your coffee and you have two or three cups of coffee and you're still like, what is wrong with this world? You know? Let's just blow it all up, God, and let's just be done with it. I mean, there, there are times where the love just isn't there, but, but I thank God that His love is always there and it never changes. It's always the same. And, and, and here, He showed him that, that in His love, that, that in this, He said, your faith has made you whole. Of those ten lepers, there was only one in this testimony that we have here that was going to live eternally with His Savior because of His faith. Because of his faith. And I end with an explanation of this quickly, but in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm just going to read a few verses. In Hebrews 10, he explains more of receiving him and this perfect salvation in Hebrews 10.10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily. Talking about those Jewish priests. They were standing every day and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Do you understand that? Never took away the sins. It appeased the wrath of God, but never took away the sins. But this man, Jesus, after He had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Lord, come quickly, and we do look forward to that day. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What was the offering? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. How many times did he do that? Once for all. Once for all, He died on that cross. For by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Who are them that are sanctified? Those that have believed. Right? You have received Christ. You are sanctified. You are perfected. Wherefore, the, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise the Lord. And so when we wake up in the morning, last week we saw that it's an action of the heart. We saw that in Psalm 100 where it, it, it ought to come well up from inside our heart. The, the joy and the thankfulness and, the, and, and the, just the, 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 the worship to the One that, that gives us all that we have. And, and now we see that as it's welling up that, that we are directing our thoughts and we're directing our mind in, in this purpose decision to, and this purpose direction to worship and praise our Savior for, for a provided solution, for the, the promised sustenance that He's given us and for this perfect salvation that is offered to all. And it doesn't matter who you are.
doesn't matter what you've done. But whenever you, by faith, realize what your sin is doing to you and doing to your family, but especially what it's doing to God, you want to get rid of that? You want to repent of those things? Then you turn to the one that will save you. And he will. He will. Because it is a perfect salvation. Do you know him? Do you know him as your Savior? Have you taken of him like he talked about in John chapter 6? Is he a part of who you are now? Is he not just up here, but is he in your life and a part of your life and Every day you wake up and you're thinking about your Savior and you're worshiping your Savior and you're thanking Him for this solution and the sustenance and the salvation and, and, and it's welling up from your heart and this thankful heart that you have and, and directing your action to worship Him and praise Him. Oh, I pray that you know that. I pray that you have that. I pray that you, that, that, that you every day that you wake up and you're thanking Him for being your Savior. And it, look, if you don't know that, and don't leave here today without knowing that you do not know how much time you have. We buried a 35-year-old right here on Friday. Don't tell me that you have tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. Don't walk out of here without knowing Him as your Savior and having experienced the perfect salvation that comes through the perfect work of a perfect Savior. Oh, thank God. Thank God for our, for our Savior and the purpose direction that we ought to have in looking to Him. Let's pray. Father, I come to You now and I ask